right, all right. That's enough fellowship. Let's get seated. I mean, don't sit, don't sit, don't sit. John 7, John 7. Here's what we, here's what we did. Uh, we got all the way to the last point on the last outline, so I just put the last point as the first point on this outline. Did everybody catch that? So everybody needs this outline. Everybody needs the outline I handed out. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Thank you, Doc. Don't mess with me. All right. Is it, is it me? Am, am I doing that? What do I need to do? We don't know yet. All right. Just which one in mics you want me to grab if this thing goes out? Why? Okay. All right. All right. John chapter number seven. John chapter number seven. I'm telling you, I am so excited about tonight. Uh, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get here. It, it, there's a certain point in this outline that if we don't get to, I'm skipping everything at the end and going to it. All right. Because we're going to get it tonight. I didn't, I wasn't able to do it last week, but we're going to get it tonight. It's really, really, really good. All right. Are y'all ready to study tonight? All right, let's jump in. Let's jump into verse number, uh, let's see, verse 14. Let's start there with our text reading, and then we'll, we'll do like a brief review like we normally do, and then, and then go into our study, okay? Verse 14. <clears throat> now, about the midst of the feast, what does that mean? The feast is about seven to eight days long. Uh, Jesus waits, and he comes in the middle of it. So it's toward the middle of the week. Uh, now, the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto him, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. In other words, it came before, starting with Abraham. And, uh, and ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is, this, is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? How be it? We know this man whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth when he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, <clears throat> and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true. But ye know not, or excuse me, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not come. And that, that goes back to the timing issue we talked about last week. Say amen right there. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than, than this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. They wanted to arrest him. And said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me. 
and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Those are damning words to an unbelieving crowd. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we will not find him? Will he go into the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and not find me? And whether I am, thither ye cannot come. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of studying it and learning it and growing from it and feeding on the bread of life. I pray that you will bless everybody here, Lord, especially me. Help me to give out, uh, Lord, how I've received it. Lord, help me to share with them what I've learned. And uh, Lord, let me, let me teach it in a way that is very clear and easy to understand. I pray for us all today as we grow and learn and, and are, are exhorted tonight and encouraged tonight. And edified, I pray that you will be glorified. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As a way of, as a way of review, uh, uh, rehearsing what we have covered and talked about, uh, here we are in chapter number 7, and, and the title of the lesson is the opposition intensified. In other words, the hatred grows and the, and, and the people that are coming against him magnifies. In, in other words, it, it goes from just disliking to a, an attempt or a desire to want to kill him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, in the beginning, we found out that, that, that Jesus, ever since chapter number five, Ever since chapter number five, when he healed the paralytic in the temple, uh, or excuse me, at the, at the uh, pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath day, that began the, that began the animosity between the Jewish leaders and the Lord Jesus Christ. From that point on, they wanted to kill him. From that point on, they wanted to destroy him. He took about a year, a little over a year. He's outside of Jerusalem, stays outside around Galilee, the, north, uh, uh, the northern part, staying towards Tyre and Sidon and ministering in all those places. But he would not come in because uh, the, he, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to destroy him. People are sending back word back to Jerusalem, telling him all the things that he's done and, and, and all the things that he is teaching and so here we find at this point, we, we come up to a festival. We come up to a feast. Uh, one of the three main feasts that the Jewish nation had and the Jewish people had, uh, one of the three main ones that all the Jewish males had to go back to Jerusalem. It was required by all of them. So Jesus had to go. If he was going to be right, if he was going to fulfill the law, he had to go back to Jerusalem. <clears throat> now, uh, we know those, those are Pentecost the Passover, and uh, this one that we are studying tonight, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And this is when they would build structures. He told them, and in, in, in I believe it's Leviticus, he said to go out and cut branches down, cut, cut branches, pine branches and willow branches and, and different things and build you a temporary structure, kind of like a shelter, if you will. And you are to sit under that and celebrate. You are to sit under those shelters and eat 
and, and drink and be merry and rejoice and remember that you came out of Egypt. Remember that God came and delivered you. Remember that God brought you 40 years through the wilderness and gave you something to eat and gave you something to drink and provided for you and protected you and brought you to the promised lands. Amen. It was a time of remembrance. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of thinking about the salvation of God and the salvation that God had provided for his people. So it's an it's a, it's a eight-day celebration, seven- to eight-day celebration where they're rejoicing and they're celebrating, celebrating night and day. I'm talking about, I'm talking about partying, so dancing and rejoicing and, 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 and praising God and enjoying the blessings of God. Now... <clears throat> In the beginning of the, the chapter, we found that his own brothers didn't believe who he, who he said he was. His own brothers were critics of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if you are who you say you are, go on up now. Go on up to Jerusalem. There's a big crowd up there. This is a time where you can redeem yourself. You know, the chapter before, all your disciples, that big crowd left you. And that's a great time to get some back. Hey, go up now. But Jesus would never be pressured. He would never be pressured by unbelievers to go something outside of God's will, his Father's will. He said, you go on up. My time is not yet. As they, as they departed a little while later, we know that Jesus does go. He does go to the festival. He does go uh, to Jerusalem, but he takes a side road, if you will. He goes through Samaria, and he comes incognito. He comes as in secret. And so this is where we, this is where we land, and this is where we are tonight. If all that makes sense and you remember that, say amen. amen. So we're in the middle of the feast now. And where we're at tonight, we're in the middle of the feast now. And, and so as he come in at the beginning of the feast, at the beginning of the feast, before Jesus shows himself and reveals himself to everybody, everybody's talking about him. Everybody's murmuring. Some people are saying he's a good guy. He's a good guy. You remember? There's three, there's three different groups of people here. If you'll remember your notes from last week, there's three different groups of people here. First, we have the Jews. The Jews. Remember, we underlined that in our, in our chapter. The Jews. And when you see the Jews, that's always the leaders. That's always the religious hierarchy, the religious leadership. Those are the specific ones that hated Jesus and were trying to kill him. They were out to destroy Jesus. And then the people. The people. You see the Jews, and then we underline the people. Who were the people? These were the visitors. These were the visitors that came in from outside of Jerusalem. These were the people that came in from faraway places. And it's possibly, great possibly, people that had been healed by Jesus. People that had been touched by Jesus. People that had been uh, blessed by Jesus. So, so these people, these people are thinking, he's a good guy. I mean, how could you say something bad about a man that made a blind man see again? How, how could you criticize somebody who, who helped a crippled man get up and walk again? How, how, can, you, how can you deny somebody who, who speaks and a, and a dead man lives again? He's a good guy. He's a good guy. But then you have dwellers in Jerusalem. That's the third group of people. In other words, people that live right there in Jerusalem, live right there in Judea. Now, the people that live right there in Judea, they know. They know that the Jews, the leaders, are trying to destroy Jesus. You see the difference? All three of these people. Now, let's go into this Jesus. He suddenly shows up. He suddenly shows up. And where does he go? He goes to, the, he goes to teach. 
He goes to the place where, listen, his father's house. He goes there and he begins to teach. And that's where we find ourselves, all right? If, if we're all together, say amen. amen. Look in verse number 14. <clears throat> now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled. They marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now let's look in our notes. We see number one, or where we ended up last week, we see the congregation. We talked about the crowd, and we, we talked about the three different groups of people. We have the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders that are trying to kill Jesus. Then we have the people that's come from out of town that don't know anything about all that. They just know he's a good guy. And then you got the people in town, this, this, this lives there that understands and they know that the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him. So there's this bickering and there's this, this, this uh, debate, if you will. Well, he's a good guy. No, he's a deceiver. No, he's a good guy. No, he's a deceiver. Now he shows up. He shows up and he begins to teach. And the people are amazed. Now we are in the congregation. We've moved outside of the crowd. The crowd has come into the congregation of the temple and, and we find him teaching. And they're blown away. They cannot believe how he teaches. Now here's the difference. Here's the difference between Jesus and the other rabbis. The other rabbis would quote other rabbis. They would quote and say, such and such has taught the, and would, would teach a teaching or a doctrine. And they would rely on the authority of other rabbis. They would back up what they're trying to say by what somebody else said. But Jesus was different. Jesus didn't teach from authority. He taught with authority. And it was the word delivering the word. It is a great difference when someone is reading someone else's material and then someone is reading their own material. I have heard people who's written songs and heard people sing songs written by other people, but they can't sing it like the one that wrote it. And Jesus spoke with authority up until the point that you have, you have uh, 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 temple guards and temple soldiers who, who's probably raised up close to the temple and heard all the teaching there was to hear and, and, and heard all of the greatest that there was to hear. And when they went and heard Jesus, they said, never a man spake like this man. So here we find Jesus teaching, confounding them. They can't believe. See, he's never gone to their rabbi colleges. They have schools to teach, and he's never gone and got his diploma. He doesn't, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have his accreditation. And he, he, he is like this, and he has this. Yet, how does he speak like this without having never learned? And Jesus said, that's what I've been trying to tell y'all. I'm just telling you what the one who sent me wants you to know. Are y'all with me? We see the congregation, three or four things. Let's look at first, he confounded them. <clears throat> confounded them, verses 14 and 15. He confounded them. He wasn't quoting other rabbis. He wasn't speaking from authority or from what someone else said. He was speaking with authority. With authority, he confounded them. Then B, he confronted them. Write that down. Verse 16, he confronted them. Jesus said unto them, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now here, here is a big secret. This may help a lot of people tonight. 
This may help a lot of people tonight. You may, you may be trying to figure out why you don't know something or why you can't figure out something or why you're trying to discern God's will and it just don't seem to be happening. Watch this. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, the secret to knowledge comes from the vehicle of obedience. Now think about that a minute. The secret to knowledge is obedience. He said, if you will do the Father's will, you'll know whether I'm right or not. You'll know whether I'm from the Father or not. Obedience opens and reveals the will of God. Now if we compare that, if we compare that to Romans chapter number 12, Romans chapter number 12, you remember? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What's he saying? Submit to his will. Submit to his direction. Submit to his word. Be obedient unto him. Why? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, that means test or discern, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've had people tell me, I'm just trying to find God's will. No, you ain't. That's not good English. No, you are not. (laughs) You say, I'm trying to find God's will for my life. Well, you're not going to find God's ultimate will for your life if you don't, don't do what you already know. You already know you're supposed to pray. You already know you're supposed to be faithful. You already know you're supposed to be surrendering. You ain't doing none of them. So why should God tell you something you don't know if you won't do the things you do know? Let's move right along. <clears throat> he confronted him. He said, you want me to show you something? You won't even do what you already know. Obedience is the secret. It's amazing. It's amazing. We'll just say this and we'll move on. It's amazing what happens when you truly submit to God and how your eyes will be open to things you couldn't see before. How will I prove the perfect will of God? Well, you first got to submit. You first got to offer your life on the altar of sacrifice. It says, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means you die on the altar. You submit in obedience to God. Obedience is the secret, guys. It's the secret. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. And then, You know what he's saying right here? He's saying, see all these other guys? They're, they're, they're all about themselves. All these other religious leaders, all these other priests, all these other uh, 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 people that want to show out, they want to dress. They want to dress up and, and want to. They walk around with all of this decoration, religious decoration on. He said they're about themselves. They want to glorify themselves. He said, "I come of no reputation. I came in and became a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I come humbly. I come as a normal, a normal everyday human being. Nothing about me would be desirous. Nothing about me would be attractive." He said, "I'm all about the Father's will." You got to be careful when somebody's self-promoter. You got to be careful. Listen, he says, he that seeketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. 
No unrighteousness is in him. Watch what he says in verse 19. Watch what he says in verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keep the law? Why go ye about to kill me? Why go ye about to kill me? Now, to understand that. And by the way, let me give you the other two, and then we'll talk about it. Because I'm like, I'm like knowing where I want to go, and I'm going to get ahead of myself because I want to get there. But let me just give you this, and then we'll go back and talk about it. All right, write these two things down. He, he, he confounded, he confronted, he confronted, that's what we're at now. He convicted, he convicted, and then he challenged. Now let's talk about it. He confounded, say it with me, he, A, he, B, he, C, he, and D, he. All right, here's the deal. Now let's look up, just, just, just follow me, stay with me, stay with me. Running commentary, running commentary. <clears throat> He's, he's telling them all this stuff he's teaching, and they, they're, just, they're just blown away. And, and, and now he says, listen, here's the deal. This is the truth. He said, he said you, don't even keep, you don't even keep the law of Moses, and yet you're wanting to kill me. Now, under convicted, under convicted, where you see the word convicted in your notes. If you look at, uh, I think it's verse 20. Is it verse 20? In verse 20 it says, man, are, have you lost your mind? Who's trying to kill you? Now, where's that coming from? That's coming from the group of people that's outside. They don't know about all this. They're not aware. They're not aware of the scheming and the idea and the desires of the Jewish leadership. They haven't been in, they haven't been in Jerusalem. They haven't been in Judea. They hadn't heard all the smack talk going on. So they think Jesus has lost it. You got a devil, man. Here's the thing. Anytime the, word, anytime the word comes and the word cuts, you get convicted. And the first thing you want to do is attack the messenger. I can't tell you how many times people have come and, man, I'm just preaching the book, and the word cut like a sword, and they get mad at the messenger. And they begin to attack the character of the messenger. Amen? You're a deceiver. You're a deceiver. Now you're a devil. Y'all want to be in the ministry. <laughs> right? So what's he talking about? What's he talking about? They're not even following the law of Moses and now they want to kill me. Well, the next few verses, is exp it explains it. Okay? So let's use the Bible. Let's use the Bible as a commentary for the Bible. How many of y'all know the Bible will always explain the Bible? Now watch, now watch. In verse 19, in verse 19, he says, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? Now what's he talking about? What's he talking about? He explains it. He explains it in verse 21 to verse 24. Let's read it. Jesus answered and said, What is Jesus talking about? This is what he's talking about. I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers, and ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. What's he saying? Here's the deal. This is how this works. They were so zealous and so... Uh, 
uh, specific and legalistic to the point that the, the, the law says that a male had to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was, that was according to the law that God gave Moses on the eighth day. Every male was to be circumcised to make him a part of the covenant people. It was a ceremonial it was a ceremonial cleansing, type of cleansing. It was a ceremonial thing that God gave the nation of Israel. And it just so happened if the baby was born, if the little boy was born on a certain day, then that day would land on the Sabbath. And so what they would do in order to keep that law, they would allow, and that's a type of work. Technically, it's work, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But they didn't care because they were so legalistic. They said, you do it anyway. And on the Sabbath day, they would do a ceremonial cleansing with this child and basically break the law of Moses. Does that make sense? Now, this is what Jesus is saying. Back in chapter number 5, we have a crippled man. We have a man who has not walked for 38 years. Jesus comes in mercy and compassion. He comes to this man and he heals this man and makes this man completely whole. On the Sabbath day. And Jesus is saying, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You will do the same thing you're accusing me of. You you will go and you will break the law of Moses to, to... Basically, if you want to, you know, and put it in these terms, to, to, for a, a ceremonial uh, uh, cleansing of one small body part, and yet when I come and heal a man completely, make him completely whole, you want to kill me. Let's go back. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5. Hurry, hurry, hurry. That clock is not our friend. Hurry. Look in verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. You there? All right. This is after the healing. This is after Jesus heals him on the Sabbath day. And therefore, verse 16, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to, because he had done these things on the, how hypocritical is pharisaical religion? What did he do? He confronted them with their hypocrisy. He said, here, you're trying to kill me. You want to kill me. You want to destroy me. And you do the same thing that I've done. And the lesser to the greater. I mean, what you did was less needed than what I did. And yet you want to kill me. Does this make sense? There's something about the word. It'll confront It'll confront. I'm telling you, man, in the last few weeks, there's a lot of people being confronted. And when people get confronted, they get convicted. And they'll lash out. You got a devil. Man, you've lost your mind. And then Jesus backs up. Jesus backs up his confrontation. First he says, you break the law of Moses and you want to kill me. No, who's trying to kill you? Anybody anybody trying to kill you? you? You got a devil. Oh, really? Let me. And he backs up and explains, this is the deal. Now watch. Now watch. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Let me get over there. Then said, 
Now the, speak, the people speak up that live in Jerusalem who know about the threatening, who know about them trying to kill him. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Then said some of them of Jerusalem. In other words, these are people that lived in Jerusalem. They were familiar with what's going on. Is not this he whom they seek to kill? See, they knew it. They were very well, well aware of the desires of the religious leaders. But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Do they know that he's the Christ? Is this why they're not getting him? They've been telling us the whole time that he's a deceiver. They've been telling us the whole time, don't believe what he, he's a crackpot, man. He's crazy. He's demon-possessed. Don't believe him. But yet they're letting him talk. They're letting him teach. It's, it's, it's awful funny. It's awful funny. They talk, they, they're claiming all this. Thing. I mean, he's right in the temple. He's right in the temple. He's doing his teaching, and they're saying nothing. So that brings us to the, the next point. There's confusion. There's confusion. Where, where's the confusion? First, A, there's confusion with the leaders. There's confusion with the leaders. They don't know what to believe now. Who's right? And by the way, guys, y'all know in our country, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion. In here, you got people saying, he's a good man. No, he's a deceiver. No, he's a good man. No, he's a deceiver. You have people in our country right now who thinks Jesus is a myth. And you've got people in our country right now who are trying to stand up and proclaim Jesus, but then confusion. All right? Confusion with the leaders. Do they know? Do they know he's the Christ? Do they know he's the Christ? How be it? How be it? We know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. All right? There was not only confusion with the leaders. And by the way, by the way, let's say this. <clears throat> because there was confusion with the leaders, A, there will always be confusion with the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean? Spiritual leadership and Christian leaders need to get their act straight. Because if there's confusion with the leaders, there's going to be confusion with the Lord. What are they saying? Well, you know. We know that Messiah, because here's, here's the deal. you got to understand tradition. you got to understand tradition and teaching. They had been telling people, and they had been teaching people, that when the Messiah, the true Messiah, Jesus was the true Messiah, but they didn't receive him as a Messiah, because uh, that they believed he was going to come with great pomp and circumstance. In other words, he's just going to show up and appear, most likely in the temple, just, here I am. I mean, you know, lightning bolts, little music in the background. He's just going to appear. But the problem with this is we saw him grow up. We know Messiah, he's, we don't, we're not going to know where he's come from. But see, that's a problem. They don't know their Bible. Because all through the Old Testament, the Old Testament predicted not only when he would be born, and he was precisely born on the date the Old Testament says, but where he would be born. Y'all with me? See, that's where we get all messed up. We don't know the book. When you don't know the word, 
you're going to have confusion. And when the leaders are confused, it's going to cause the people to be confused with the Lord. Hey, we, this can't be him. This can't be him. Because my idea, my idea of a Messiah is strong, powerful, a soldier, a warrior, a deliverer. He's got to be a warrior. Man, we're in bondage to Rome. He's got to kick. And how'd Jesus come? In a manger. Poor. Basically, Jesus is a homeless dude. And I say that with the utmost respect. I'm trying to get you to see through their eyes. He don't even have a house. He don't even own property. He depends on what other people give him to eat. How can he be the Messiah? We saw him grow up. How can he be it? Confusion. Confusion with the leaders. Confusion with the Lord. <clears throat> and then see, con confusion with the lesson. Jesus is trying to teach him. They're confused with the lesson. Look what it says in verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus is kind of now in a teaching mode, but in a maybe a mode of frustration. And, and, and saying, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. You really, you really think you know me. You got to understand something. Jesus left everything. All the glory. All the pomp and circumstance. All the splendor of glory. To be humiliated. And to come to a people that he loved. And come to a nation he loved. And come to people that he loved. To be rejected. And not believed. Look what he says. Then, then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught. <clears throat> you both know me. And you know whence I am. And I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true. Whom ye know not. But I know him. For I am from him. And he has sent me. Basically what Jesus is trying to say, you can't know me like you think you know me because you don't know him that sent me. Verse 30. <clears throat> then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. There's that time and again, say amen. What does that mean? The devil's gunpowder can't burn till God's ready. Yeah. Verse 31. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these that this man has done? Now, see, this is starting to bother the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders, the Jews. They're saying, Wait a minute, we got to do something. We got to stop this now. He's infecting everybody. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. We got to stop him. We got to get him. We got to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you. And then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Here's the lesson. To make a long story short, to save time for the other part. What he's saying is, I'm going to a place you'll never make. 
In other words, he's saying, I'm going to heaven, and you'll never make it there. Your unbelief is going to keep you from where I'm going. And the worst part about this, the worst part about this whole deal, is he says, you will seek me. Do you realize the saddest part of hell is that hell will be truth learned too late? The moment an unbeliever opens his eyes in hell, he will instantly, immediately know it's real. And at that moment, at that moment, according to... According to the story of the rich man and Lazarus, they will cry out. They will cry out for hope. They will cry out for salvation. They will cry out for deliverance. The rich man cried out and said, Please send Lazarus and may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I am tormented in this flame. There's going to come a time they're going to seek him. And Jesus says, You won't find me. The verse says today is the day of salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. Listen, I'm going somewhere you're not going to go. I'm going to go somewhere you can't find me. And see, they don't get it. They're confused about this lesson. Here's the thing. When you've made up your mind, and please get this, everybody. This is, this is from God. I'm telling you, I feel this. This is an anointed, this is just coming from God right now. When you've made up your mind, you've got a predetermined mindset about what you think truth is, no matter how much truth is given you, you will not believe it. And everything, everything you hear, you won't get. Everything he tried to tell him, every time he tried to tell him who, who he is, where he's from, how he got here, what his purpose is for being here. They refused. They would not believe. They were confused. They didn't understand it. And now here, they begin to talk to each other and say, where's he going? Is he going to go to the Gentiles? Is that, is that why we can't go where he is? Because he's going to the Gentiles? See, they, they don't get it. They totally don't understand the truth that Jesus is trying to convey to them. Why? Listen, I saw a bumper sticker. And it was really for a liberal agenda and probably for stuff that I, I would totally disagree with, but the, 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 the principle is true. A mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. Man, there was a day I, I was complaining to the Lord. about. I, I said, man, I'm trying to show this. I, I've showed them over and over and over this truth. And, and Lord, they just, they, I, and he said, they will never see it unless they're looking for it. And no matter how much you try to show them, if they're not seeking truth. You say, well, preacher, they were, they were discussing and debating when they were seeking it. No, they wasn't. They were trying to defend their point. They were trying to prove their opinion about Jesus. They were trying to prove he was a deceiver. They were not really seeking truth because if ye seek, ye shall find. Knock and it shall be. Amen? But here they're confused. 
They're confused about the leaders. They're confused about the Lord. They're confused about the lesson. What a mess. Jesus is on the scene. The Messiah is here. At a celebration. It's really about him. I'm going to show you that in a minute. And because of their stubbornness, because of their pride, because of their confidence in their religious, or let's just put this, their religiosity, they refuse to believe. And because they refuse to believe, they refuse to see. Are y'all with me? Y'all ready for this? This is my favorite part. Listen, figure out how I'm going to do this. Uh, Look in verse number, look in verse number 37. Verse 37. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. In the last day, That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, would you write this down? Uh, uh, write, write these three words and let's talk about it. Write timing. Timing, that's A. We're under the cry. Timing. B, invitation. And then C, explanation. And then put your pen down and look at me. And don't let your mind wander. Focus, people. Because this is good. All right, I need every eye. I need your focus. All right, raise your hand. Get the blood flowing. All right, I need your brains working. All right, all right. Now watch this. Watch this. Here's the thing. This is the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles, what would they do? They would build the booths. They would build temporary structures. They would go out into the woods and they would cut down branches and they would cut down willow trees and they would cut down these branches and build temporary structures, right? During the celebration, during the time of celebration and throughout the week, every single day, every single day, the high priest the high priest would go from the temple and he would take a a golden vessel. Y'all with me? He would take a golden vessel and he would go to the pool of Siloam and he would dip in the pool of Siloam with that golden vessel. He would come back to the altar. Now you got to remember, I should have did this. I meant to put a picture of of the temple structure and how it was. It's this massive, massive, massive structure with the altar in the very center of it. 
the altar where they would have the altar or the sacrifices every day, the altar there. And, and so uh, every, every single day of the celebration, every single day of this uh, remembrance and, and rejoicing over what God did in the Old Testament, what God did in the wilderness and his provision, his protection, and his salvation of his people through, through the wilderness wanderings and through the wilderness place to the promised land. Every single day of the feast, he would go and he would go to the pool of Siloam. He would dip that golden vessel into that water and he would come back. <clears throat> and he would come back to, uh, 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 he would come back through, by the way, he would come through the water gate. I know you're not getting it right now, but you will. <clears throat> He's coming through the water gate. And as he come into the, uh, the, 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 the altar area, while he's coming, <clears throat> while he's coming, he pours the water on the altar, which is symbolic of the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness. Are y'all with me? Y'all remember when they were thirsty? And he said, smite the rock, and he smit the rock with the rod, and Water came out. By the way, by the way, there's about two and a half million people. It takes about a half a gallon uh, per person. So we're looking at a, about a million, about a million and a half, a million, two, million and a half gallons of water every day that God provided for the people. That was required and necessary just for the people. That's not counting all the animals and the livestock. God provided. And so as they pour... As they pour this vessel of water celebrating, this is, this is what they are quoting. This is what they are quoting. As they're pouring this, the high priest pours this upon the altar. And as they are pouring this, they recite the people. And you got to think about this. You got to think about how this looks. There's thousands of people all over the place. Thousands of people in, in just thronging around this area during the celebration time. And while the priest is coming with the water and pouring this water, they're reciting Isaiah 12, verse 3, that says, Therefore with joy shall ye draw out water out of the wells of salvation. Say amen. amen. I know you're not getting it, but I'm going somewhere. <laughs> they're pouring out and they're reciting with joy. We shall draw out of the wells of salvation. Now watch. Remember, what's A? What's A? Timing. All right? Now watch. Now watch. Look in verse, look in verse number 37. Verse 37. Oh, 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 oh. Let's go back. Let's go back to verse 14. 14. Look in 14. Are you there? Now in the, in the midst of the feast. All right? Jesus starts teaching in the middle of the feast. Right? All right? Now, look where we're at in verse 37. In the... Last day, come on everybody, in the, that great day of the feast, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus cried out. Now watch this, watch this, y'all ready for this? The high priest, every day, every day, here's what the people did, here's what the people did, especially on the last day, the last day they came and they brought the branches and they brought the, 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 everything that they had created and they had built and they would put a temporary shelter over the altar. 
And the branches, as the people would hold up the branches, and as that was over, and celebrating and remembering the time of temporary dwelling where they were in tents and not in solid houses. They were in tents and not with buildings with foundation. They were going through the wilderness where there was no food and there was no water. They were going through the wilderness where God provided and God protected and God gave them everything they need and gave them water to drink and food to eat. Somebody say amen. And they're celebrating and they're rejoicing and they're thanking God and they're praising God. Are y'all with me? Now the high priest goes on the last day, the great day of the feast, and he goes to the pool of Siloam and he dips in the water with the golden vessel and he comes back. And as he's coming, that whoo, say amen. As he's coming, they are reciting with joy. We shall draw wells of water out of the wells of salvation. With joy, we shall draw out of the well of salvation. Are y'all with me? They're reciting this over and over. But on this time, this day is different than all the rest of the days. On this day, instead of just pouring it out, they begin and they go seven times around the altar. Seven times with that water around the altar. Seven times. Do y'all remember a time? When the nation of Israel went seven times around anything. Oh yeah, walls of Jericho. I got God bumps on my arm, a hawk could bite right now. Seven times. What's that meaning? They are remembering and they are celebrating the walls of Jericho coming down. But what's so significant about that? What's so important about that? Because when the walls came down, it signified the end of the wilderness wandering. The end of the wilderness wandering. Listen, and at that time, that meant that they were no longer in the wilderness. They were now in the promised land. They were now in the land of rest. Now in the promise of God. Oh, say amen. Now watch, at that moment, at that moment, as they came around seven times, and then they would pour it out, With joy, we'll draw out of the wells of salvation. They would begin to sing the Halil, which is Psalms 113 to Psalms 118, which is praise to God for his salvation. At that moment and that time, Jesus stood up where everybody could hear him. And the word used cry here is the word that means shout to the top of your voice. He said, hey, if you're thirsty... Come to me. You say, what is the point? I don't get it. Flip your notes over. Watch this. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Hurry, people. First Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, Paul is telling them about this. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud. You remember the cloud? That when they came out of Egypt, they were in, in, the, in the wilderness and they were in the desert. And God had a cloud by day. Amen. A cloud that kept them cool by day. Watch this, watch this. They went through the sea and were all baptized under Moses. In other words, God connected them with Moses in the cloud and the sea. And they did all eat that same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was? Seven times. 
signifying that the wilderness wandering is over with. We are going into the promised land. We are going into God's rest. And at about that moment, Jesus stood up and said, Hey, that's talking about me. This celebration, this ceremony, everything about all that you knew in the Old Testament, God was trying to point you to me. I was the rock that they got super, listen, supernatural fulfillment from. I was the one who provided the fulfillment and the water that sustained life in the wilderness. That was just an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. That rock was me. Jesus' cry was at the top of his lungs at the precise moment, at the right time, when everybody was there to celebrate. And everybody was there to remember the rock that gave supernatural water. And Jesus, at the right moment, at the right time, he said, that was me. The word says it followed them. Now, I'm not going to, I've seen, I read several speculations. Jewish tradition and folklore You say, preacher, what are you talking about? That rock was a rock. Rocks ain't got legs. It's all right. He gave them a million and a half gallons of water. Yeah, that was just for one day. They had to have it for the next day. And the next day. And the next day. They're not getting with me. Can y'all help me? (laughs) So, tradition was that wherever they ended up, that rock showed up. Uh, Read your notes. Read your notes. Come on, people. They did eat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that, that, Rock followed them. <laughs> one writer, one, one theologian speculated that that water, that rock became a gushing river. Everywhere they went, it stayed with them. Everywhere they went. Some said that the rock just appeared supernaturally because they needed that water every day. A body needs a, about a half gallon of water every day. So that's a, a million and a half gallons of water every day is required. That's not even counting the animals. Now here's the thing. We're not going to speculate whether the rocket supernaturally appeared or whether it grew legs and followed them. <laughs> or whether there was a river that just went wherever they went. The point is this. God supernaturally provided them every step of the way God is a God of salvation who is providing salvation for his people ho 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 I'm out of time I'm out of time stay with me and Jesus is standing here giving the invitation 
and giving the proclamation. Listen, when you're thirsty, there's nothing like water. Amen. And this is what he says. If you're thirsty, he's crying out to this nation who is in the dark. And they're thirsting. They're hungering. They're desiring something that will bring true and real fulfillment. People are on crack and on meth and on alcohol and on illicit affairs and on everything you can imagine trying to fulfill a desire that they cannot sustain and they cannot fulfill. Then they're thirsty and Jesus said, if that is you, come to me. If you're thirsty, that's acknowledging I got an issue. This is how this plays in salvation. You will never get saved till you get lost. You will never get fulfilled till you realize you're thirsty. Thirsty is acknowledging. Come to me. That's approaching. You see, you got to understand you're thirsty. Second thing you got to understand is Jesus can fix that. This world will never be fulfilled till they realize Jesus is the only thing that can do it. You see, thirsty is acknowledging it. Come to me. That's approaching Jesus, knowing that he's the only way. He's the only thing that can, this is the only hope I've got. This is the only fix to my problem. And he said, drink. Drink. That's appropriating it. Appropriating it. Man, I, I'm telling you, when I was studying this, I, 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 I about hyperventilated. I couldn't wait to get out here. I've heard, I've heard the phrase and Jesus saying, you know, I'm, the, I'm the, the water of life. I never understood that. I never realized the timing and how everything was just perfect and the way he presented himself. It was just at the right time, at the right place to show that what God was saying and drawing out and revealing all through the Old Testament, here I am. Can you imagine them celebrating, going to the pool of Siloam and bringing the water, and he's sitting right there? Then, then lastly, we look at the conclusion. The conclusion of this chapter. Not necessarily, there's still stuff going on we'll, we'll jump into in 8. But it, but it causes issues. <clears throat> it causes issues. <clears throat> Look what it says. Verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying of a truth, this is the prophet. Others, others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem? Where David what? And by the way, if they had just done their study. They just saw all, all that they just said was true. So there was a, so there was a, okay, put A, put division. Here's the conclusion of the gospel. There'll always be a division. No matter what, when the word is preached and the gospel is given and the invitation is given, there's some that will believe and there's some that won't. Scripture will always divide. 
And sadly, sometimes it will divide even families. There was division. B, there was defiance. There was defiance. Look what it says. There was division among the people because of him, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never a man spake like this man. Watch, watch their response, so arrogant. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Watch this. Watch this. What a jerk. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law, they're cursed. You know what he's saying? They so dumb. If you look at us smart people, none of us believe him. You know, the people that's in the know, don't worry about what them people are saying. Don't worry about the, the, the right people. None of us believe. How arrogant and condescending. Watch what it says. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed? This people, they don't know nothing. Why are you believing what they have to say? This is the same Nicodemus that we find in chapter number 3. He's a closet believer. Nicodemus saith unto him, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge, trying to take up for Jesus in a subtle way, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and knoweth what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went into his own house. There was denial. Division, defiance, denial. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Jesus was the greatest thing ever. Period. And he had the truth. He was the truth. The very thing they were celebrating, the very picture that they were illustrating was sitting in their midst. Sitting in their midst. And as they sang, and by the way, at the moment, at the moment that Jesus cried out, here is what the people would recite. Here's what the people would recite. I wrote this down. Watch this. At the moment Jesus would cry out, they recited Psalms 118.25. Save now. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. And at that moment, Jesus stands and cries out. If you're thirsty, I'm it. Isn't it amazing that they are basically praying that God saves and he's standing there like this. And they turn their back on him and walk away. Every man to his own house. That is almost equal to Judas kissing him on the cheek, knocking on the door of heaven, and falling into hell. And all God's people say it. Next week we're going to talk about a guilty woman and a loving Savior. And all God's people say it. Amen. Lord, help us as we study your word. Help